You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to the Facebook group, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the Mystical City of God. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 309, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 14, Paragraphs 268 to 276. 268. Let us return to our great Queen and Lady of the Angels, who by means of her vision knew all that was happening to Saul. His first and most unhappy state of mind, his fury against the name of Christ, his sudden casting down on its cause— his conversion, and above all, his extraordinary and miraculous elevation to the Empyrean heaven and the vision of God besides all the rest that happened to him in Damascus. This knowledge was not only proper and due to her because she was the mother of the Lord and of his holy church and the instrument of this great wonder, but also because she alone could properly estimate this miracle, even more so than St. Paul and more than the whole mystical body of the church. For it was not just that such an unheard-of blessing and such a prodigious work of the omnipotent should remain without recognition and gratitude among mortals. This, the Most Blessed Mary, rendered in all plenitude, and she was the first one who celebrated this solemn event with the acknowledgment due to it from the whole human race. The Holy Mother invited all her holy angels and many others from heaven, who, forming into alternate choirs, sang with her canticles of praise and exultation to the power, wisdom, and liberal mercy of the Almighty toward Paul, and others on the merits of her Most Holy Son, in virtue of which this conversion, so full of prodigies and miracles, had been wrought. By this thanksgiving and fidelity of Most Holy Mary, the Most High, according to our way of understanding such things, as it were, compensated himself for having so highly favored the Church in this conversion of St. Paul. 269. But let us not pass over in silence the reflections of the new apostle concerning what the kindest mother might think of him now, and must have thought of him as such an enemy and persecutor of her most holy son and his disciples intent on the destruction of the church. The loving conjectures of St. Paul in this matter arose not so much from ignorance as from his humility and veneration toward the mother of Jesus. But he did not know that the great lady was cognizant of all that had happened in connection with him. Although from this newly acquired knowledge of heavenly things, in God he had recognized her as his most kind helper, and in his conversion and salvation, yet the wickedness of his past life abashed, humiliated, and somewhat frightened him, as one unworthy of the favor of such a mother, whose son he had persecuted so furiously and blindly. 
It seemed to him that for the pardoning of such grave sins as infinite mercy was necessary, and Mary was a mere creature. On the other hand, he was encouraged by the thought that she, in imitation of her son, had pardoned his executioners. The disciples also told him how kind and sweet she was with sinners and the needy, and then he was inflamed with the ardent desire of seeing her, and he resolved in his mind to throw himself at her feet and to kiss the ground whereon she walked. But immediately he was again overcome by shame at the thought of appearing before her, who was the true mother of Jesus. Still, in mortal flesh, and so deeply wronged by his conduct, he discussed within himself whether he should not ask her to punish him, because that would be some sort of satisfaction. Yet again this vengeance seemed foreign to her gentleness, since she had obtained for him through her prayers such immense mercy. 270. Amid these and other disquieting thoughts, the Lord permitted St. Paul to suffer a harrowing yet sweet sorrow, and at last he said to himself, Take heart, vile and sinful man, for without a doubt she will receive and pardon thee, since she has interceded for thee as the true mother of him who died for thy salvation, and she will act as the mother of such a son, since both of them are all mercy and kindness, and will not despise the contrite and humble of heart. Psalm fifty nineteen. The fears and doubts of St. Paul were not hidden from the Heavenly Mother, for she knew all through her exalted science. She knew also that the Apostle would not find an occasion to see her for a long time. Moved by her maternal love and compassion, she would not permit this consolation to be postponed to such a distant period. Therefore, in order to bring it to him from Jerusalem, she called one of her angels and said to him, Heavenly Spirit and minister of my Son and Lord, I am moved to compassion at the sorrow and trouble in the humble heart of Paul. I beg thee, my angel, go immediately to Damascus and console and comfort him in his fears. Congratulate him on his good fortune and remind him of the thanks he owes eternally to my Son and Lord for the clemency with which he has drawn him to his friendship and chosen him as his apostle. Tell him that never has such mercy been shown to any man as to him. And in my own name, tell him that I shall aid him as a mother in all his labors, and serve him as the handmaid of all the apostles and ministers of the name and doctrine of my son. Give him my blessing in the name of him who condescended to assume flesh in my womb, and to be nursed at my breast. 271. The holy angel immediately fulfilled the commission of his queen and quickly appeared to St. Paul, who had remained in continual prayer, for this happened on the day after his baptism and on the fourth after his conversion. The angel manifested himself in human form, wonderfully beautiful and resplendent, and fulfilled all the orders of Mary. St. Paul listened to his message with incomparable humility, reverence, and joy of spirit, and thus replied to the angel, Minister of the omnipotent and eternal God, I, the most vile of men, beseech thee, sweet as heavenly spirit, do thou, according as thou seest me indebted to the condescending mercy of the infinite God, give him thanks and due praise for having so undeservedly marked me with the character and divine light of his children. The more I flew from his immense bounty, the more he followed me and advanced to meet me when I delivered myself over to death. He gave me life when I persecuted him as an enemy. He raised me to his grace and friendship, recompensing the greatest injuries with the most extraordinary blessings. No one ever rendered himself so hateful and abominable as I, yet no one was so freely pardoned and favored, 1 Timothy 1.13. He snatched me from the mouth of the lion, in order that I might be one of the sheep of his flock. Thou art a witness of it all, my Lord, 
Help me to be eternally grateful, and I beseech thee, tell the mother of mercy and my lady that this her unworthy slave lies prostrate at her feet, adoring the ground on which they tread, and with a contrite heart asking her to pardon him for having so daringly sought to destroy the honor and name of her son and true God. Beseech her to forget my offense and deal with this blasphemous sinner as the mother who as a virgin conceived, brought forth and nursed the Lord who had given her life and had chosen her for this purpose from among all creatures. I am deserving of chastisement and retribution for so many sins. and I am prepared to suffer for all, but I am aware of the clemency of her heart and I shall not declare myself undesirous of her favor and protection. Let her receive me as a child of the church, which she loves so much. All the days of my life I shall devote myself entirely to its increase and defense and to the service of her whom I recognize as my salvation and as the mother of grace. 2.72 The holy angel returned with this answer to the most blessed Mary, and although in her wisdom she well knew it, he repeated it to her. She heard it with a special joy and again gave thanks and praise to the Most High for the works of his divine right hand and the new apostle St. Paul and for the benefits which would result therefrom to his holy church and the faithful, of the confusion and the rout of the demons at the conversion of St. Paul, and of many other secrets made known to me concerning the malice of the devils, I shall speak, as far as possible, in the next chapter. Instruction given to me by the Queen of the Angels, Most Holy Mary. 2.73 My daughter, none of the faithful should be ignorant of the fact that the Most High could have drawn and converted St. Paul without resorting to such miracles of his infinite power. But he made use of them in order to show men how much his bounty is inclined to pardon them and raise them to his friendship and grace, and in order to teach them by example of this great apostle, how they on their part should cooperate and respond to his calls. Many souls the Lord wakes up and urges on by his inspiration and help. Many do respond and justify themselves through the sacraments of the church, but not all persevere in their justification, and still a fewer number follow it up or strive after perfection. Beginning in spirit, they relax and finish in the flesh. The cause of their want of perseverance in grace and relapse into their sins is their not imitating the spirit of St. Paul at his conversion, when he exclaimed, Lord, what is it thou wishest with me, and what shall I do for thee? If some of them proclaim this sentiment with their lips, it is not from their whole heart, and they always retain some love of themselves in honor of possessions, of sensual pleasure, or of the same occasion of sin, and thus they soon again stumble and fall. 2.74 But the apostle was a true and living example of one converted by the light of grace, not only because he passed from an extreme of sin into that of wonderful grace and friendship of God, but also because he cooperated to his utmost with the call of God, departing at once entirely from all his evil dispositions and self-seeking and placing himself entirely at the disposal of the divine will and pleasure. This total denegation of self and surrender to the will of God is contained in those words, Lord, what dost thou wish to do with me? And in it consisted as far as depended upon him all his salvation. As he pronounced them with all the sincerity of a contrite and a humbled heart, he renounced his own will and delivered himself over to that of the Lord, resolved from that moment forward to permit none of his faculties of mind or sense to serve the animal or sensual life into which he had strayed. He delivered himself over to the service of the Almighty, in whatever manner or direction should become known to him as being the divine will, ready to execute it without delay or questioning. 
And this he immediately set about by entering the city and obeying the command of the Lord, given through the disciple Ananias. As the Mosai searches the secrets of the human heart, he saw the sincerity with which St. Paul corresponded to his vocation and yielded to his divine will and disposition. He not only received him with great pleasure, but multiplied exceedingly his graces, gifts, and wonderful favors, which even Paul would not have received or ever have merited without his entire submission to the wishes of the Lord. 275. Conformably to these truths, my daughter and I desire thee to execute fully my oft-repeated commands and exhortations, that thou forget the visible, the apparent, and deceitful. Repeat very often, and more with the heart than with the lips, these words of St. Paul, Lord, what dost thou wish to do with me? For as soon as thou beginnest to do anything of thy own choice, it will not be true, that thou seekest solely the will of the Lord." The instrument has no motion or action except that imparted to it by the artisan, and if it had its own will, it would be able to resist and act contrary to the will of the one using it. The same holds true between God and the soul, for if it entertains any desire of its own independently of God, it will militate against the pleasure of the Lord. As he keeps inviolate the liberty of action conceded to man, he will permit it to lead man astray, as soon as he decides for himself without reference to the direction of of his maker. 276. And since it is not proper that the doings of the creatures in this mortal life should be miraculously governed by the divine power, God, in order that men might not advance false excuses, has implanted a law into their hearts and also constituted his holy church, in order that they might know the divine will and regulate their conduct in the fulfilling of it. Moreover, for additional security, he has appointed superiors and ministers in his church in order that hearing and obeying them, men might obey the Lord in them. All this security thou, my dearest, possessest in full, so that thou shouldst neither admit of any movement, thought, desire, or of thy own, nor fulfill thy own will in anything independently of the will and direction of him who is charge of thy soul. For him the Lord sends to thee, just as he sent Ananias to St. Paul. Moreover, Thou art in a particular manner obliged to this obedience, because the Most High looks upon thee with a special love and grace, and desires to use thee as an instrument in his hands, assists thee, governs thee, and moves thee directly as well as indirectly through me and his holy angels. And all this he continues to do faithfully, as is well known to thee. Consider then how much reason thou hast to die to thy own desires, and live only for the will of God and that it alone should give life to all thy actions and operations. Cut short, therefore, all thy reflections and self-reliance, and remember that even thou shouldst have the wisdom of the most learned, the counsel of the most prudent, and the natural intelligence of the angels. Thou couldst with all this know how to execute his will far less perfectly than by resigning and leaving all to his divine pleasure. He alone knows what is suitable to thee, and seeks it with an eternal love. He chose thy ways and governs thee in them. Permit thyself to be guided by his divine light without losing time in doing thy duty, for in this delay lurks the danger of erring, and in thy doctrine lie all security and successes. Write it in thy heart and fulfill it with all thy strength, in order that thou mayest merit my intercession, and through it to be brought near to the Most High. This concludes our reading today for day number 309. We have been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 14, Paragraphs 268 
to 276. St. Paul today recognizes Our Lady as his kind helper in his conversion and salvation. And as he's able to say, Mary is my kind helper, well, we too are able to look at our life, I think, and say, Mary has been my kind helper as well. St. Paul thanks Our Lady in spirit. And we too can thank Our Lady as well. Our Lady, seeing how St. Paul is suffering because of his past then, sends her holy angel to instruct him so that he might be at peace, that he might continue to cooperate with this grace of God that is operative in his life. And then how interesting it is that St. Paul is compelled to apologize to Our Lady. This is the movement of his soul. And maybe some people will hear this and they'll be like, well, Our Lady can't forgive. God forgives. Why does he ask Our Lady to forgive him? And he does so because he hurt her in the sense of he hurt Christ. Because Jesus is so connected to Mary, he feels the need to apologize to her, to say, I'm sorry for the pain that I caused your son, because in causing him pain, I also caused you pain. And really, if we think about the first Saturdays and the reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, there are these outrages against Our Lady. And so that reparation we make is, in a sense, our I'm sorry, Mary, for what other people have done. So we do, in this spiritual sense, apologize to the Mother of God. And then St. Paul, he has this phrase, Lord, what dost thou wish to do with me? And in the instruction of Our Lady, she says, repeat very often and more with the heart than with the lips these words of St. Paul. For as soon as thou beginnest to do anything of thy own choice, it will not be true. Thou seekest solely the will of the Lord. This is our discernment. Taking whatever it is that we feel called, Lord, what does thou wish to do with me? Is this what you want for me? Make that your prayer. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.